This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. And tonight's Late Late Show, which will be hosted by me, Emily Edwards, uh, is going to talk this week about the benefits of keeping a sunny disposition in teaching as we head into winter. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. As I said, my name is Emily Edwards. For any recurring listeners, welcome back. It's good to chat to you again. And if this is your first time with me, here's a bit of bits of uh, my background in education. I'm currently teaching secondary history as a full-time classroom teacher. I started my NQT year back when it was called an NQT in 2017, and I have an MPQML as well as experiences in middle leadership, both in temporary positions as a pastoral deputy head of sixth form and a curriculum lead for history though thankfully not at the same time. Uh, I also have experience in teaching Key Stage 3 to 5 for History and Key Stage 5 for A-Level Politics. So, with introductions having been made, tonight we're going to continue on the theme of positivity that I began talking about uh, last week. And please feel free to go to Teachers Talk Radio on Podbean to listen back after tonight's show if you did miss that show last week. And today it's going to be building on that idea and maintaining a genuinely sunny year disposition throughout the year, even as the nights start to draw in. Also, as it's Mental Health Day today, I think there's no better time uh, to discuss how to keep our mental health at the forefront of teacher well-being, not just positivity within the classroom and building those positive working relationships, but also making sure that we are taking care of ourselves as staff members. Um, because ultimately we can't pour from an empty cup. So working on ourselves is obviously um, a key thing that I really want to talk about today. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. Adapt. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Schools may have to redraw budgets for the next academic year after what the BBC describes as a blunder by the Department for Education. 
A miscalculation came about because the number of pupils was underestimated. An original plan of a 2.7% increase per pupil in England for the academic year 2024 to 25 has now had to be revised to 1.9%. The government has ordered an inquiry and issued an apology. In a letter to the Education Select Committee, the DfE stressed that this was not a reduction to the total school's budget, but said the amount promised had to be recalculated because an undiscovered error made by DfE officials during initial calculations. The BBC calculated that keeping the original planned increase of 2.7% would have meant the government having to find a further £370 million to top up the overall school's budget. Jeff Barton, General Secretary of the Association of School and College Leaders, said the error was unfortunate and frustrating and that it was likely that trusts and local authorities will have used the incorrect figures and will now need to revise budgets. A-levels and T-levels will be replaced by a new qualification for school leavers in England, according to new plans announced by PM Rishi Sunak. The plans reported across media outlets would see 16 to 19 year olds study around five subjects as part of the so-called Advanced British Standard, including some maths to 18. The plans prompted many to question how this would be delivered, but Mr Sunak said that more teachers would be recruited and that changes would be aimed at pupils who were currently only just starting primary schools. He also announced that the changes would see students spend 195 hours more with a teacher. He also promised an additional £600 million over two years to increase training of maths teachers and funding for those studying for compulsory GCSE resits in colleges in maths and English. The plans will go to consultation for possible implementation around 2033-34. to 34. But with a general election on the horizon, many may feel they are unlikely to happen should there be a change in government. The early years and primary sectors have responded to reports in the Times that children will have to brush their teeth under supervision in schools. According to the paper, Labour is planning to use schools and nurseries to help save NHS dentistry and that the party would introduce supervised toothbrushing in schools for children aged three to five. And this would be prioritised in areas with the highest incidence of childhood tooth decay. Whilst dental associations and charities welcomed the proposals, Paul Whiteman of the NAHT said the union had serious reservations about how such a policy could even work and that it is not the role of teachers to make sure children brush their teeth. Schools Week reports on comments made by Amanda Spielman, Chief Inspector of Schools in England, at the Confederation of Schools Trust's annual conference. Ms Spielman was responding to questions about a rise in complaints to Ofsted about schools. In 2017-18, to 18, there were around 11,500 complaints, but in 2021-22, to 22, this had risen to almost 15,000. Ms Spielman said that post-Covid people were grumpier and have a greater propensity to put pen to paper, but the complaints leading to early inspection numbers weren't any higher than previously. She said there was no question more complaints were coming through, but that she was sceptical it reflected any real change. In Wales, the BBC reports on an ongoing school-run parking route. 
Residents of a street in Bridgend say issues at pick-up and drop-off times are persisting 18 months after a protest saw people living in a cul-de-sac blocking the road. They describe the scene outside of a nearby primary school as carnage and claim cars and property have been damaged. Residents have been blocked in their driveways and this has led to rising tempers. This is a perennial problem across the country for many who live near primary schools. The row in Wales is unlikely to be resolved anytime soon. Finally, student housing has made the news again this week, this time in Salford, where, according to BBC Local News, a major student letting company has been accused of falsifying a tenant's signature on a document to defend a property's filthy conditions. The company is alleged to have added the signature to a waiver saying tenants were aware the property had outstanding maintenance when they moved in. But tenants said they had been told issues would be resolved beforehand. Upon arrival, they discovered a broken fire door, a boarded up window and slugs and cockroach infestations. An investigation into the allegations of forgery has been launched. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Hello, welcome back. So, as we jump into it tonight and talk about building up positivity, which I feel is pretty apt being World Mental Health Day. Um, and before I jump into those 10 quick tips, I'm going to kind of explain what genuine positivity actually is. Because I know there is um, a bit of confusion when it comes to positivity, especially with uh, phrases on social media about toxic positivity and just talking about having a positive mindset. What does that actually look like um, in practice and why can a brighter outlook have serious benefits for us um, in the teaching profession? So lots of different ways to define positivity, but generally it refers to a quality or state of being um, that is upbeat in nature. So this can mean having or showing a constructive confidence or optimistic outlook on situations and usually they're able to adapt to different circumstances based on that. So positivity is often advocated for in many self-help and motivational um, teachings because of its potential benefits to our mental health and our overall well-being. But it is important to note that forced or inauthentic positivity can sometimes be actually quite detrimental to us as it might prevent us from processing genuine emotions or addressing um, serious mental health concerns that actually need um, further support than a change in outlook. Um, this can be referred to sometimes as positive um, approaches, but really what it is, is a sense of toxic positivity. And that's the idea of this overgeneralization of a happier, optimistic state, denying um, the reality of various situations and invalidating a very authentic human experience uh, when it comes to our emotions. So I think therefore it's really important to understand the two differences here and the two sides to positivity because if we're going to genuinely improve our well-being as a profession and find tips and tricks to help make sometimes the difficult days a little bit easier, then we actually need to promote a genuinely improved sense of well-being rather than just the appearance of things being bright or positive. So we will talk more later on in the show about uh, toxic positivity and we'll go through some top tips that I always like to bring along to each of my shows for some genuine positivity and how to cultivate that um, in a really healthy, natural way. 
But um, I'm actually going to take some inspiration from my science colleagues tonight and introduce some of the benefits based on scientific studies when it comes to um, our mental health and why talking about positivity and improving uh, our outlook to be more positive can actually have some really serious mental and physical benefits. So hopefully I do my uh, science colleagues proud. If anybody is listening and they are a science teacher, please feel free um, to chip in if you know any extra fun facts. So having had a look at a couple of the research papers um, that I found online and listening to some really interesting TED Talks, here is some of the research behind positivity. So firstly, I saw a study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in 2019 that showed that individuals who reported being optimistic had an 11 to 15% longer lifespan and had a 50 to 70% greater chance of reaching 85 years old compared to their less optimistic counterparts. Now, I'll be honest, when I saw this, I thought those are some incredible percentages. Um, but having read through the whole uh, paper, the key takeaway I think that I found was that developing more positive mental health outlooks, whilst obviously not a guaranteed path to immortality, unfortunately, it did have a significant impact on our physical health. And I think that's something where um, we're talking about, um, obviously, our physical health it's actually nothing new. It's nothing shocking or unusual here. So when we're talking about our physical health, I think we all know different stories about um, obviously having less stress, less concern, um, improved thought processes and mental well-being can actually improve our day-to-day -day physical lives. Taking away that stress can be really important in um, improving our day-to-day -day, uh, lives there. So. What else have I found online? It wasn't just um, looking at uh, the kind of physical health generally with stress, but also that if we had uh, from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, that optimistic individuals had a 50% chance of a reduced risk of experiencing any cardiovascular event compared to the less optimistic peers. So looking at um, heart problems, looking at obviously the impact that stress can have. Again, it's kind of supported by the science that um, we are trying to improve our physical health by looking at our mental health as well. Uh, thanks, Tom. Hopefully the muffled sound has uh, gone a bit. Do let me know if it's still sounding a bit uh, funny, the technical issues. As always, something to navigate each fortnight. Thank you. So in terms of looking at um, as well the physical health, the mental health as well can definitely be improved by improving our positivity. So psychological resilience um, I think is something that is improved when you think about positivity and I know what a shocker being more optimistic can actually improve your outlook. I know it's something that we probably never expected to see happen but um, when we're talking about the science behind it, uh, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology uh, indicated that actually optimism can act as a buffer against um, some mental health concerns developing even worse, such as depression, especially after experiencing a really stressful life event. As positive thinkers were found to be less likely to suffer from extreme bouts of depression than those with a more negative or neutral outlook. Now, with this study, I do think it's important to say that 
uh, the idea of just thinking happy thoughts or developing a more positive outlook um, is the way to cure medically diagnosed depression. And obviously that is not the case at all. Um, if you have been diagnosed or are considering a diagnosis for depression, then please do make sure to follow your GP's advice or the advice of medical professionals to ensure that you get the support you need to properly manage that depression. However, I, what I think this study is trying to say is that for many of us, especially in the winter, I think we are prone to kind of more temporary bouts of negativity rather than um, fully diagnosed um, depression. And so I think those temporary um, kind of gloomy days, feeling less than ourselves, um, you know, not giving 100% some days because you're just not feeling it, that something is uh, can be mitigated through adapting our outlook. And so as a result, your mind over time be more adapted to focusing on improved positivity, looking for the benefits, looking for those moments that improve your day to day. And I think that can really help people um, from kind of spiraling where possible. So it is obviously something to keep in mind in terms of mental health. Nothing shocking there coming from the science. But I think also as well, um, having a look at some more British focused studies, um, positivity can really have its benefits. So teacher resilience, a necessary construct published in the British Journal of Educational Studies in 2010, explored the concept of resilience among teachers in the UK context. And the study I thought was interesting didn't just talk about resilience as an individual concept, but linked the two um, of resilience and positivity that is to really discuss the idea of how that can impact um, teaching in the classroom. And it suggested that resilient teachers were found to maintain higher levels of positivity, better well-being, and deliver more effective teaching because they weren't um, kind of pouring from an empty cup. And I think that's something that is reflected in um, kind of our day-to-day -day and our anecdotal experience, uh, which obviously is very different to our scientific studies here, but it is something important to know. I think we all know that when we've had a difficult day or if we are dealing with obviously personal things at home, that can obviously impact how we teach during the day as it would because we are human. You know, we are taking that into the classroom. We're trying our best to mitigate it. But understandably, if we are able to focus on our well-being and put that at the forefront, and instead of taking a very negative, uh, pessimistic view, if we can find small tips and tricks to make uh, our day-to-day -day easier for us, we can kind of foster that positivity to help us um, perform better day-to-day -day, and then hopefully create that positive cycle. So we're not taking then all the negatives from our day back home and perpetuating that cycle. Now, I fully admit, I've noticed this firsthand myself last week. I had a really nasty cold, uh, one of those that was going around the school. I think everybody knows about those, especially those in primary settings. Those sorts of uh, colds and flus go around very quickly. But I noticed at the start of the week, I felt really lethargic. I felt really tired. And as a result, I was feeling quite down about myself and my teaching. So I felt I wasn't really being able to give 100%. Um, and so therefore the lessons felt very differently compared to what I was um, delivering near the end of the week when things started to clear up. Um, and I think it was very interesting noting that my mindset to I'm feeling sick, I'm feeling rubbish, um, that was feeding into that negativity and feeling worse about it, noticing those uh, times I got kind of 
tripping up on my words because my mind was a bit foggy or when I kept having to, you know, sniff and blow my nose throughout the day, which was a bit grim, TMI, my apologies. Um, but near the end of the week, I think it's very interesting that when I had that positive mindset of, oh, I'm getting better, I'm feeling good, I'm getting through this lesson, my mind's a bit clearer, I'm doing really well, that had such a, a really significant impact on my day-to-day -day teaching and feeling much better about myself and therefore my teaching felt um, more productive, much better and it kind of fed into that cycle so by the end of the week I was having these lovely little moments where I felt back on my A-game and so I think it is really important to know that emotions absolutely play a role in setting the tone for the room and that we as teachers have so much agency in setting that tone for students as well as for ourselves. So looking then at um, our kind of top tricks and tips, understanding that obviously I've tried to pick some British schools here. There are loads of studies out there, especially when it comes to uh, American schools and American practices. But I think to be fair, we get the gist in terms of uh, our positivity, our mental health is a key aspect of who we are and how we teach. And if we put that at the forefront, if we don't put ourselves second, uh, then I think we can really help uh, to boost ourselves in the profession, especially when we are you know, surrounded by negative news or we're having a rough time. Or if obviously, as the winter comes in, the nights get a bit uh, darker very quickly and the mornings we're kind of getting into work very um, kind of gloomy in that sense. So with that being said, what do we need to do to build a more positive outlook? What does that actually look like? And what are some tips and tricks to help improve uh, that mindset and that attitude? Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support, protection, without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. Adapt. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. Right then, so what can we do? What are my kind of go-to tips and tricks? Hopefully now you're at least a little bit curious as to what we can do as professionals to build up a more positive outlook naturally into our day-to-day -day lives. So without any further ado, here are my top 10 tips for building positivity in the profession. So tip number one, practice gratitude. Now, this is one of my most important uh, tips in my perspective, hence why I kind of wanted to start our list with it. So at the start of your day, list out anything that you're grateful for. Ideally, three things is the going suggestion. But obviously, feel free to start small. This can feel a bit weird when you're getting started. I know I felt that way uh, when I was trying to come up with ideas uh, for things I was thankful for and grateful for uh, when I tried this tip out. But by actively focusing on the positive, um, especially at the start of your day, you can really shift your focus from what's lacking or negative to what's abundant and therefore what's positive. So, for example, 
I know I get really hung up on negative interactions with parents. We've all been there uh, and we dread dealing with difficult parents or a difficult situation, even though we all know we want what's best for that child. Um, I had a parent who said that their son felt picked on because he was given sanctions in my lessons. And obviously, you know, that's not true. No one goes into the profession to pick on students. We have better things to do uh, with our time. And we obviously just want um, our students, our classes to really succeed and get the best um, outcomes for themselves. But it's something that um, is obviously that plays on my mind that could lead to a really negative thought. Oh, I've got to call this parent back. I've got to speak to this child. I've got to address the situation. But understandably, when I explain the situation um, to the parents, the idea that you know, we can obviously work with him. We can make sure that he feels supported in lessons and that obviously he has so much agency to make really good choices and framing things really positively. Um, and, you know, in my head, mentally keeping the idea that actually, you know, I'm grateful for the time and effort that I've put in to work with parents, work with students to create really good, positive working relationships and keeping that more positive mentality in mind rather than, oh, what have I got to deal with? What is going to happen? Am I going to deal with something really negative coming my way? Then actually it was able to frame the conversation in a more solution-based focus and obviously having talked with that member, uh, with that parents um, and talking with that student, I said that I'd update the parent uh, the next day. And so I came up with a game plan. We talked with the students and actually uh, what I dreaded and what I was really worried about actually didn't uh, materialize. The student was really receptive. We had a really pleasant conversation. He said that it was just uh, kind of a comment he made when he felt a bit miffed after getting um, a small sanction for chatting and that actually he understood the nature of our working relationship and, you know, he was going to be back on his A game, basically. And having that um, conversation, I think really helped to frame then a really positive thought for my day going, well, I'm really grateful that I had that positive interaction. I'm really grateful that at least we've clarified that part. Maybe now I can go into this next section of obviously updating his mum and um, obviously then how hopefully having that continued positivity. So I think when I took that time to be grateful, even just mentally um, for what I'd already achieved, I think that helped reframe my mindset for having that um, conversation with that potentially difficult parent. And actually, fair play to the student. He had a really positive lesson. He shows um, that he was ready to get back to it and work really hard. And as a result, I was able to share some good news with um, the parent, able to rebuild that relationship. And obviously starting then uh, the weekend off on a really positive note because I dealt with that situation and kept a really positive uh, mindset throughout. And I think sometimes we kind of focus on that negative and we prepare and steel ourselves for the worst. But actually keeping that positive mentality, even when it's very easy to, to worry and to overthink, can be a great way to reframe our conversations and hopefully achieve the positive goals that ultimately we all want. Um, if you're not very confident in terms of writing down like in a journal style approach, these kind of uh, gratitudes, what I found is having a list of positives on a post-it note does exactly the same job. Um, and it's just where I put down all my small wins. So whenever I have a really great lesson or if a student has a light bulb moment or if I have just a really funny conversation with a colleague 
or if you know my day just runs really smoothly and I get a ton of jobs done sometimes obviously in teaching we've got to take the small wins where you can get them and that has really helped me to kind of reframe my attitude and remind myself especially on days when I don't necessarily feel that positive that actually look at all the positives that have happened look at all the good um, that you might have missed if you didn't uh, put it down tangibly for me to go back and focus on and I think that's something that we can really work on as a profession in a really easy um, and kind of relatively work-free way my second tip is limiting negative inputs. So I think it's really important to be quite conscious of the media we consume and the conversations we choose to engage with in the day. Understandably, we want to keep updated with the news and make sure that we aren't um, falling behind or ignoring any big news stories. But I think it's more so in the school, in the staff room. How do we avoid being caught in a kind of a negative discussion with other staff members? Because whilst I know a quick grumble in the staff room can be quite cathartic, sticking around people that just bombards us with negativity does make it harder to see the day-to-day um, good that we find in the school. So I think building up strong relationships with uh, our colleagues can make our experience of teaching so much more rewarding and less of a grueling slog as we count down to the half-term holidays. But I think focusing on the staff members that really benefit us, that provide us with that positive feedback or, yes, we have a bit of a grumble, but then we look on the bright side or we workshop solutions to those problems uh, if and when we come across them. I think that's such a healthier way to approach these conversations rather than constantly discussing um, kind of negative interactions or negative um, new kind of workload initiatives, things like that, that can really get us down rather than keeping um, a more optimistic, a more upbeat uh, outlook. So, for example, um, you know, you have a member of staff that really gets you, that you can just have a laugh with, sometimes seeking them out or, you know, I've got five minutes on break, you know, I've got duty with them. Let's have a, a you know a quick chat. Let's not talk about work for a bit. That can actually reduce the amount of negativity you're exposed to during the day. And if you're not around negative people, if you're not around negative news or negative comments, that is going to help make you feel more authentically positive because you're not exposed to it. So you're not um, thinking about it or taking that on or kind of processing that in your own head. Um, Three, my third tip is looking at seeking support. So with that being said, if you do feel quite overwhelmed, if you're worried about new changes in your school, if they've introduced new plans or initiatives, then do feel free to seek support, whether it's from a mentor, your line manager, other colleagues or a professional organisation that is there to support teachers. I think it's important, obviously, to reach out when we need to. And thankfully, it's so much uh, better nowadays to access those resources and that network because they are so readily available for us. Um, I think it's really important to acknowledge that, yes, there will be times when it's going to be quite difficult, that you might need support. Say, for example, I know within a secondary context, when the mocks start coming in and there's obviously a lot of marking to do, maybe sometimes um, seeking support from another colleague to share marking or to have them moderate bits and pieces so you can get through marking quicker that can actually have a really tangible uh, impact on your day-to-day if you know that there are people there who are going to support you if you know that you don't have to bear that uh, burden of whatever is on your mind or whatever jobs are on your to-do list that are going to take up a lot of your time then i think that can really 
authentically improve uh, a staff member's outlook. It can really help us in teaching, knowing that we are all in it together. We are working to help create the best environment possible for ourselves as teachers, but also as well for our students. And so sometimes seeking support can be really useful just to take the weight off of dealing with an issue so it's less of a burden to you. Uh, my fourth tip is about helping others. And I think this one is quite unusual in the sense of it's suggested every now and again, but it's not really promoted as a well-being tip that I found um, online. But sometimes delivering acts of kindness, sometimes it can be a big help to somebody else, it can be a small gesture, can actually also boost your mood as well as supporting um, our colleagues. So when looking at um, how we can support our colleagues, it could be just a bit of advice. Um, it could be last minute printing support when the printer decides to just completely um, shut itself down. I've talked about technical issues tonight. It's no stranger to the world of teaching when you have a computer that just won't log on or a printer that just won't print. Having somebody else go, don't worry, I'll print this off somewhere else um, or I can pick this printing up for you. Let me know when you need it for, what lesson you need it for. That can really boost up your positivity, knowing you not only have that support, but also that you are able to provide that help for other people and see them feel better about their day, knowing that you've been that lifeline for them. And I think it's important that we help each other out to build this community and to provide this positive climate um, in schools. We can also do it as well by just, you know, saying good morning. Um, it's not necessarily the big actions um, such as, you know, sharing resources or stepping in to um, have a chat with people and make sure they're doing OK. But just simply saying good morning. How are you? Do you need anything? Are you OK? That can really help. And I think that's such an important piece of advice as well uh, for anybody in the senior leadership team, being able to be that person where if something is going wrong, if somebody needs that help, they've got somebody in their corner and that can absolutely help you keep a more positive mindset, knowing that you are having such a positive impact on other people um, rather than just yourself. And I think it's important to know as well that we're all facing probably very similar challenges in our day to day and talking about it with other people and being that um, kind of sounding board for people to bounce ideas off of can actually be quite comforting for us as well. You know, whenever I've um, had a difficult class, sometimes going to somebody else who also teaches that class and saying, look, um, could, could, do you mind if I sit in? Do you mind if I observe? I really would like to see what tips you have and vice versa when they say, look, I've got this difficult class. What are your suggestions? Can you help me out? Providing that help and getting that help in return. So putting tips three and four together really can help improve um, the climate in school and the outlook of teachers knowing they're not struggling by themselves. We're all working together and we can absolutely improve our outlooks all together. So my fifth tip is looking at um, our kind of physical activity. Now, I am world worst for scheduling time at the gym and making sure to fit in uh, regular exercise every week. Parents evenings are coming up. Open evenings are coming up. I know that this is not going to be um, a tip that I am going to be actively um, pursuing every single day. But I think making time for um, physical exercise, whether that is um, kind of an overall activity, so playing football with your friends or uh, walking a dog or sometimes walking by yourself or attending a fitness class in particular is usually a very positive um, and very common 
uh, type of physical activity that people engage with. Those are all absolutely brilliant in terms of releasing those endorphins and feeling better about ourselves and sometimes just taking our minds out of teaching and switching off so we can enjoy our evenings and refresh. Um, but I found that actually it's not just those big um, moments of physical exercise that can have uh, a huge positive impact, but also as well, just the small things, you know, dancing around a bit as um, I'm cooking my meal in the evening is something that is a small gesture. It's not strictly come dancing. I'm going to kind of disappoint the listeners right now. It's not really very good, but it's some form of physical exercise. It's some form of uh, getting your body moving and releasing those endorphins. And sometimes the sillier, the better, um, especially if you have uh, children, young or old, kind of engaging with them as well. So if they're a bit older, maybe um, going to the gym with them or doing, you know, walking activities or going to the park, things like that. Or if you've got kind of younger uh, children playing with them, having a bit of fun. Again, it doesn't have to be a huge time consuming um, part of your life, but having a move around, getting um, those endorphins going can really um, improve our mental well-being. <laughs> Absolutely, Paul. Yes, this idea of achievable and realistic are spot on. It can't be something that's going to add to your uh, seeming kind of workload or it can't overreach in terms of what you want to achieve because if you can't achieve it that's absolutely going to feed into this kind of negative mindset of I can't fit this in I'm failing I'm not doing the right thing I should be doing more doing small little gestures things that you can fit in five or so minutes of a day or even just as you're going through your day just making a note making a minute for yourself can really have the better impact than huge grand initiatives thanks Paul for that comment uh, my sixth tip is to practice mindfulness. Now, I know that's going to probably elicit some groans when you hear the term mindfulness, um, but it doesn't have to be a huge, again, process of meditation or following apps or um, going through various different exercises. It can be if that's what you're interested in, that's what you're used to, that's what you enjoy. But if you're not used to mindfulness, and that will include me out there, Usually what I find uh, is a great way to just stop and take a minute. It's just to breathe for a couple of minutes. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, huge, big, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Sometimes it's just a stop, figure out where you are and just breathe. Take a second. You will always have time to breathe um, is my mantra, because if you don't, the results are not fun. So in terms of taking that moment to breathe, taking that moment to stop and enjoy where you are and just stop overthinking sometimes is a great way to reset, um, especially if it is uh, an overwhelming day. I know five period days, break duty, after school meeting, before school briefing, a couple of students have come in in you know, tears and you've had to navigate those situations. And on top of that, students are coming in asking about homework or can I leave my PE kit here, miss, things like that. And it can feel very overwhelming. And so, just taking a second to stop, breathe, write. Now, what are my priorities? What do I need to do? I find that so helpful in stopping all the thoughts and then focusing then on what I need to do to um, get to where I need to go. Either it's getting through the to-do list or focusing on those key tasks and leaving everything for another day. Absolutely, Paul. Yes, it is really important obviously we're checking in on each other and it does very much seem to be that um, 
people do feel quite overwhelmed currently in the profession. And so taking that time to support each other, taking that time for ourselves uh, is becoming less of an optional uh, idea and more of a mandatory, we need to take care of ourselves. We really need to understand how our mindset is affecting our day to day. Absolutely. My seventh tip is to set boundaries. So this one is my hardest one on the list. Yes, even harder than taking some time to go out and exercise a bit every day. But this one is easily the one with the most returns for your investment. So clearly setting out when you are working and when you are stopping. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be a specific time. It could be after a specific task. Um, It could be Uh, For example, right this Friday, I'm not bringing any uh, work home with me. I will put uh, tasks in my calendar throughout Monday to Thursday to make sure I can make that happen. But that is the boundary I'm setting for myself. That is what I'm going to focus on achieving. Um, I think has been so useful this year for me. I know I've kind of told myself for the past few years in teaching, I'll improve my work-life balance. I'll make things better. I'll, you know, work on my life bit rather than just the work bit of the work-life balance. But setting time aside for activities that really kind of nourish your soul and make you feel better about your day, about yourself, about your situation can have such an impact on how you view your day to day. So, for example, I really enjoy um, cooking. So I know, right, no matter what happens when I'm cooking, when I'm you know, enjoying my meal, when I'm um, chatting with my partner, the last thing I'm going to do is focus on work. That is just my time for myself, not checking emails. I'm not going to be multitasking and, you know, eating a meal and trying to um, do some work at the same time, plan a lesson or whatever. My boundary is that time is for me. Sometimes obviously in terms of the weekend, people might choose to, you know, I'll work on Saturday, but I'll take off Sunday. That is absolutely fine. As long as you are setting boundaries for yourself that benefit you, that work for you, and that ultimately make sure that you are putting yourself first some days. It can be very difficult. Our to-do lists are very rarely ever finished at the end of each day, but sometimes that involves prioritizing and going, right, this isn't due in until, you know, this doesn't need to be done until next Thursday. I just need to get sorted for Monday so then I can sort that out Monday evening. can be those small wins you give yourself um, and those small boundaries that, you know, make you feel more human, make you feel more respected um, because you're not just going to take on all this work and do whatever Uh, tasks, you know, the good Lord sends you kind of thing, you are putting yourself first and understanding that whilst teaching is incredibly important and we're all here on a Tuesday night talking about education, we clearly love our jobs and love what we do. It is still just a job and we have to prioritise ourselves and our families first sometimes if we want to be uh, at our best on a day-to-day basis. My eighth tip is to stay organized. It kind of feeds into that idea of setting boundaries. It's much easier, obviously, to organize uh, your lessons, materials, and kind of how you grade things or mark things to try and reduce that time spent on admin and prep where possible. Um, Keeping things orderly, keeping things clear on when you're doing things, when you're not doing things, what tasks on your to-do list are realistic, what are a bit uh, ambitious, shall we say. That is obviously a really great tip um, to make sure that you just feel more positive about what you accomplish at the end of each day. If you set a realistic to-do list based on what needs doing, 
what doesn't need doing and organizing your workspace or your calendar to be able to achieve it, you will obviously feel much better at the end of your workday, feeling more accomplished rather than setting 101 tasks that you have potentially not got the resources to get done that day. You've left something at home or there's a textbook in school that you need to get to that you can't get to. And that organization can really make the whole process of being positive and keeping your days productive and focused uh, much easier. Now, a bit of a self plug here. I have have done a show a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, looking at bullet journals as a way to stay organized. So if you do feel um, that you're interested in coming up with better ways to organize your day to day or organize um, your work life, feel free to obviously hop on over to Podbean after the show to check out that episode um, of the Tuesday Late Late Show so you can see different tips and how I've tried to manage uh, my organization over the past few years. Self plug over. So my ninth tip is probably a bit unusual is CPD. So this one is quite unusual probably for a list like this, but I'm not just saying to attend everything or uh, participate in as many webinars or workshops as possible, but actually focusing on yourself, um, not just outside of teaching, but also within teaching can actually help you feel more positive about how you teach and how much better maybe you've been since, you know, five years ago, since your ECT, as it's now called, or your teacher training. And actually remembering how much progress you've made can be really good for your um, self-esteem and for your uh, positivity. So what I found is um, with certain webinars, with certain workshops I've attended, Sometimes I hear brand new tips, which then make me feel really excited to get back into the classroom to try different things out and experiment with different techniques or different studies to see if that will improve um, outcomes in lessons or improve the atmosphere in the room. But also as well, sometimes it's refreshing, especially um, from my experience on this Monday when we had a school department meeting going through uh, classroom entries and how to get those routines at the very start of the lesson um, as efficient as they could be. Hearing that I was doing most of the stuff um, that was introduced, so, you know, welcoming students on the door, um, bringing them in quickly and calmly, nice positive language, thank you for opening your books, thank you for uh, everybody's now getting on with those quick questions, and keeping the negativity in that uh, initial interaction to a minimum to get a really settled start to the lesson and then obviously um, hopefully a really settled and really productive lesson. Hearing I was doing so many of those um, tips and tricks did actually make me feel really positive sitting there going I already do that I already put in that effort and this is being recognized as really good practice. It is a bit of a self-esteem boost it's all we're all okay every now and again to tap ourselves on the back and go actually we're getting this right I'm doing a really good job, actually, and that's because I care. That's because I'm um, putting in a lot of work and ultimately we are um, working really hard to achieve, obviously, the best outcomes possible. And I think sometimes that's where the benefit of CPD comes in. Either we can learn something new or we can um, kind of be reassured that we are doing the right thing and that actually we can keep progressing and keep improving as we go. And my final 10th tip here. So this one is a nice kind of, <laughs> clues and name, positive tip to end on, a really um, upbeat tip. But it's to stay inspired. Um, 
I think, remember why we chose teaching as a profession, why we chose to become teachers, whether it's um, kind of reading inspirational teaching stories, watching, um, I think there's some amazing teachers who've done some absolutely incredible TED Talks about teaching and about education. Um, but also as well, we could also think about um, the comments that students have given us or the emails that we've had that have just been really lovely and positive um, to read. I think that's really important to remember that we have such a profound impact um, on our students and our colleagues on education, on the outcomes of young people. And sometimes we forget this. I think we get so caught up in our day to day that we actually lose sight of the amazing um, work that we do. And I think that can help us really keep a positive outlook about teaching rather than just counting down the days. And I know we've all been there and I will no doubt in a week or so be counting down the days again as we get closer and closer to half term. But I think as well, remembering that every day I get an opportunity to support young people, to see a light bulb moment in another student, um, to see a student really progress or improve. That can be such a wonderful uh, experience kind of what we call a glimmer, uh, an opposite of a trigger, the idea of those little moments that really make us feel good about ourselves and what we do and feel purposeful. Um, now, I found this as a really useful tip, especially in the technological world. Um, rather than having kind of printouts of um, emails or feedback that I've had, I actually just keep an email folder now. Uh, with, and I call it praise and gratitude, um, just because then it's easy to find on my uh, lists of different email folders. But that's where I save all the positive emails and feedback that I've had um, so far at my current school. And that's come from students, from parents, from colleagues. And it's actually really nice um, on days where I'm feeling less than stellar to see these comments and kind of be reminded of how much I do and how my work is appreciated and how much of an impact I can have as a teacher um, to really kind of boost myself back up again, remembering why I got into this to help young people get to where they want to go and be that support system for them every step of the way. It can really improve, uh, definitely improves my mood, but it can also improve your mood, especially when you're having that rough day, that rough week or potentially even that rough term. So those are my 10 major tips. And as we all know, teaching can be so rewarding, but it can also be pretty demanding and pretty stressful. And I think using these tips, all 10 of them, one of them, a mix of them, however it works for you, can help us develop a more positive mindset and navigate some of the challenges and pressures of the job um, in a bit more of an effective uh, way. So making sure obviously that we acknowledge these positive moments, that we are looking for ways to um, think more upbeat on a day-to-day -day basis about our profession and about what we do um, as teachers. But also I think it's important to note that developing a more positive mindset is more of a journey rather than a destination. It's a bit cliche to say, but it's okay to have days when you're feeling a bit down, you're feeling a bit negative. And the key to genuine positivity is acknowledging those feelings and giving ourselves some grace, knowing that we are human, that is normal, and that actually we have so much agency over our feelings in the room, our tone for the classroom and setting ourselves up to have the best day possible. Um, 
regardless of some of the circumstances we might be experiencing. So to finish off with my final section, I did say I'd talk about toxic positivity. And whilst I'm discussing obviously genuine positivity, I think there is um, a different side to it all that is quite common, more so on social media. I've seen the term be bounced around. And this idea of toxic positivity being this trap that people can fall into whilst trying to genuinely um, improve their outlook. So, as I said a bit earlier in the show, toxic positivity refers to the overgeneralization of a happy or an optimistic state, leading to the denial, minimization, and invalidation of the authentic human emotional experience. Um, basically, we fall into a state where we refuse to acknowledge emotion, and as a result, we are putting on a facade of positivity that isn't genuine and can actually have very damaging effects to us when we don't feel authentically uh, positive. It's fake it till you make it, push to the extreme, basically. So I think first and foremost, we need to acknowledge um, what we're feeling as a way to avoid this sense of toxic positivity. All emotions, positive or negative, have a place and have a purpose. Um, it's obviously very natural to experience sadness, anger, frustration, and by allowing ourselves and others when we're having those conversations to genuinely feel and process them. You know, why am I feeling frustrated? How can I um, get over this, you know, temporary anger or, or frustration or sadness at a certain event or a certain state? Um, it's essential, obviously, to keep being grounded in reality and going right yes, I'm feeling upset at the moment. What's the cause behind that? Can I fix it? Do I have some agency over it? If so, how do I go about achieving that? And sometimes there are situations where there are no silver linings and it's perfectly normal and it's perfectly okay to recognize and accept that and sometimes go, right, that was a lose-lose, no chance of that one, but I can see what lessons I can learn from it, accept that that's the situation, it is what it is, and start to move on and process that properly. And I think encouraging that balanced perspective um, can really help us avoid the pitfalls of toxic positivity. Furthermore, uh, instead of kind of chastising yourself or punishing yourself for having these negative emotions, it's really important to practice a bit of self-compassion. So this idea that everybody, including ourselves, and I know we can all fall into the trap of um, supporting other people uh, rather than supporting um, ourselves sometimes we are nicer to others than ourselves and I think it's okay to not be okay sometimes and this can apply to how we talk to other people and supporting people and understanding that we need to genuinely listen sometimes um, I know I'm guilty of it when I want to jump in and fix a problem because I'm a fixer beyond all else um, I think it is important to avoid jumping to the positive spin or dismissing the feelings or it could just be worse or look on the bright side because we don't actually want to be dismissive. We do want to help people feel better. Um, but by genuinely listening to both others and to ourselves and realizing, you know what, that sounds really tough. You know, do you, what support can I give you? Or actually going, wow, I have had a really, really difficult day today. That's perfectly normal. And I think taking that compassion and speaking to ourselves and listening to ourselves and to others can actually help um, develop a genuine sense of positivity when you go, you know what, 
let's process this as this is rather than trying to create this false narrative that it's absolutely fine if we just ignore it or if we just sweep it under the rug and absolutely pull the Norwich FC um, advert for self um, help and to obviously talk about what's uh, obsessed, uh, being upset and um, potentially having depression can look like and it not being what you expect to see. Absolutely. Um, I think that's really important to talk about mental health as a genuine checking in and listening to other people rather than, you know, you look sad, put a smile on that face, you'll feel much better. Again, that dismissiveness just doesn't help us. Um, but genuine, authentic positivity really is about experiencing life as it is, acknowledging the full range of human emotions without suppressing um, our negative ones. And I think as well, accepting that things may not be perfect all the time. And as much as we would like perfection, I am a perfectionist myself. I would absolutely love everything to go 100% right 100% of the time. But I think taking that into consideration that we're going to have bad days, we're going to potentially not handle a situation in the classroom as perfectly as we should, that actually is really normal and saying actually you know what let's how do we bounce back genuinely um, from this sense of uh, adversity or this challenge how do I use this as an opportunity for growth and understanding rather than how do I ignore this ever happens and blot it out from my mind and just move forward blindly that can really help us address any issues properly figuring out what the actual uh, issue is and seeing if we have any agency and usually we will of dealing with it and processing it and moving on but also as well learning from um, negative interactions sometimes going you know what um, rather than pretending it's not happened acknowledging that this is how I can do better next time can help us have a more positive outlook knowing that if we face that situation again we know how to handle it we know how to do better um, and I think as well overall genuinely positive people are ultimately empathetic and they are compassionate and that's not just towards other people but towards themselves they aren't just going to um, take a one-sided approach they're going to be balanced they're going to focus not just on supporting their colleagues in the workplace but also making sure they're making time for themselves and overall this is why i think it's really important to differentiate genuine positivity where you are authentically working on improving your day-to-day -day and managing your mental health and remembering that we are human and we need to check in with ourselves and check in with our colleagues and our friends and our family and that we need to differentiate this type of authentic positivity from the toxic um, spin on it which tends to oversimplify and invalidate genuine human experiences. So Overall then, um, genuine positivity is all about navigating life with a bit more of a hopeful perspective. We're looking for the good in the world, we're looking for the good in ourselves, and we honour and address life's complexities. We know that it's not going to go right all the time, we understand that we may need a bit of grace, but ultimately um, we are able to seek uh, support when we need to celebrate our successes and pat ourselves on the back every now and again for doing an amazing job I know we all do and continuously growing and improving ourselves to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves as well as taking care of our students uh, and our colleagues so in essence cultivating positivity whether that's in everyday life or within a specific profession like teaching ultimately requires a really balanced approach 
And hopefully I've been able to give you some tips that you can take away with you. Or if you've listened to this and go, yep, I've heard all these tips before. I know some of these work. I'm going to keep doing that. Fantastic. It's nice building in that positive uh, cycle. And thank you so much uh, again for tuning in this week to listen to me on Teachers Talk Radio and for persevering with the early um, technical issues. I do appreciate it's not always easy uh, listening to a lot of muffle, but um, it'd be great to see you in a fortnight's time for my next show. And please keep an eye out on my social medias for more details on that. And in the meantime, take care and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.